Jesus and Jonas and Jonas upon closer, so these men also approached the truth, men of the faith mind, rejected in regards to faith. But they will not mix for the project, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Jonas and Jonas' folly was also. Good morning. It's good to see you. Take a look around and do notice, uh, even Dennis mentioned uh, by way of announcement, we have several who are not doing well physically and uh, reach out to them, text, card, phone call, a visit, whatever, and encourage them. Uh, then they know we missed them and uh, we need to do our best to encourage and strengthen them. And it's, it is so good to see Pat and I we talked a little bit on our way in, and I'll say this, and she'll get that. You want to know what faithful looks, looks like? Just look at her. That's what hey, Tough it out, and you come anyway. There's no doubt she doesn't feel as well as the rest of us do that are here today, but uh, it's hard to feel bad about doing the right thing, and uh, that's what we've always got to remember. In this passage of Scripture, we're going to get into it and look at it a little bit, and I think one of the most interesting uh, statements made in this passage is they were always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. How ridiculous that statement seems, but how typical that is of so many people. But I guess for real quick, uh, we f meet two guys here, uh, Janus and Jambres, and as we think about them, they're never mentioned by name anywhere else in the Bible. But I know that Timothy would obviously know who they are. So if you do a little research on these guys, especially what was known and understood about them in the first century, uh, without much dispute anywhere, uh, by that time, they would teach that this is the names of the two magicians when Moses and Aaron went at the beginning of the plagues. So if you take your Bible real quick with me and turn back to the book of Exodus, there's several interesting things here. Uh, Exodus chapter 7, if my memory serves me right. Exodus chapter 7. I didn't write these down. but um, And they go in there, and I want to show you something believed to be from every historian outside of the Bible, and we use historians outside the Bible a lot to show evidence to unbelievers that the Bible is accurate. In the New Testament, we use people like Josephus, a Jewish historian, Polycarps and Tacitus, who are Roman historians, that substantiate over and over again, historically, the historical reliability of the Bible. And so the Egyptians were great recorders of history, and even as you get on into it, so were the Romans and the Jews, and so that this would have been the understanding. But I want you to see something about these sorcerers. Look down at verse 11, uh, and it says, Then Pharaoh also called for the wise men and sorcerers, and they also, and the magicians of Egypt, did the same with their art, with their secret arts. And they turned, uh, it says, and they threw down their staffs and they turned into serpents. Huh. So these guys, I already know a lot about 
uh, magicians and it's eyes get fooled and you believe things happen that didn't. I don't know what their powers were or weren't, but they were able to, obviously, throw down their staffs and they turned into serpents. If you look on down um, at verse 22 in chapter 7, it says, But the magicians of Egypt did the same with their secret arts, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and, they did not, and he did not listen. He was, they were also able to turn the water of the Nile into blood. Now, it is interesting. I don't, I don't know what makes one thing different than the other, but... The Bible always records everything accurately. As you go over into chapter 8, here's where they started to fail. So those they were able to handle, but by numbers, uh, verse 7, it says, The magicians did the same with their arts, making frogs uh, come out of the land of Egypt. But, verse 18, the magicians tried their secret arts to bring forth gnats. Gnats did them in. Okay. So that's kind of interesting. You might be able to fool a lot of people with a lot of things, but God can outdo anything anybody can do anytime to prove He is the Almighty God. And so I want you to think about that, especially since we see that this uh, Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. That would make sense that it would be those and uh I, like I said, obviously, Timothy, being the primary receiver of the letter, he knew exactly who they were. Um, but I think about all that's here, and there's a lot. But do re let me remind you, even before this passage, at the end of verse 5, he says, Avoid such men as these. And then he gives, after giving a description of who these people are, were to avoid, he says, well, here's what they do. I don't decide what they'll do. The Bible tells us what they did. Uh, for among them are those who enter into households. That's important to know. They don't do it out in front where everyone can see them. They enter in behind closed door, enter into households, and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led by various impulses. I don't know why it's the weak women. Don't ask me. I don't really know why that's that way. That's what he says. But I want you to know he does these things behind the scenes secretly. And I'm going to tell you that I've watched with 40-plus years of preaching and 50-plus years of being a Christian and watching things happen in the church, very few people, if any, that I've ever met that teach error introduce it publicly. They always do it secretly and behind the scenes. They want to break off few people and find out who they can impact. And those they can't, they leave them alone pretty much. But they work behind the scenes. And that's what's happening right here. They're in, they're in the households, but they're up to no good. So I want us to look at a few passages on that point before we get to the idea, because I think this is important too who are always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of truth, but they enter into households and they teach these things behind, per se, closed doors. If you would turn with me, we'll just look at a few real quick. Um, 2 Peter chapter 2, the first part of that chapter, starting at verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 2. False prophets also arose among the people. Do you see where false prophets usually start? They don't start in the denominational world. They start within our brethren. Did you hear me? They come from within. 
We usually don't get fooled by those that are without. Just as there will also be false teachers among you. Did he just tell us that? Brethren, wake up. There has always been and will always be false teachers among the brethren. He said so. I don't like it. I wished it wasn't true. But God's word is all. And he says, who will secretly, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the man. And he goes on. They will secretly introduce heresies. I remember talking to a minister and elders at a congregation who were beyond biblical to the point of being liberal in areas the Bible does not endorse liberality. And they were talking about introducing instrumental music in their worship services. And here's what they told me. Met two elders and a preacher in the St. Louis area this years ago. They said, well, we will introduce it into worship when we've found out that the fallout will not be as great as it would be right now. So they're dishonest people, or they would own up to what they're trying to do. But we've got to have time to get people secretly on our side before we do that. Why don't you just lay your cards on the table and tell it like it is? Because dishonest people don't work like that. And so you look and he says they secretly introduce these things. Look again at another one. Just, just so you know that this isn't just a one-time thing there uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2. Listen to this. But it is because of false, because it was, excuse me, but it was because of false brethren secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy. Did you see what happened? They secretly came. You thought they were good to go. They sound really good to go, but they had alternative, ulterior motives from the beginning. They were secretly brought in to spy out. I've said in setting sometimes, and I think, man, they just seem like they're just trying to eavesdrop on what's said here. They're not really into this at all. It's just like, what is the deal? You know? Now, I believe I, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I try to be patient with people, but I'm not ignorant, and I'm told to be on alert. And I'm being alert, you know, I always like to go back to another passage Jesus used. I'm not going to turn to it today. But he talks about wolves in sheep's clothing. Do you know why wolves wear sheep's clothing? So you won't know they're wolves. That's a no-brainer, isn't it? And you don't know they're a wolf till they bite you. So you've really got to be alert, don't you? When you see that sheepskin's got a zipper on it, they're one way, one place, and another, another. Watch out. We need to be the same all the time. So they secretly introduce these things. Look, go to one more real quick. Acts chapter 6. I always think these things are interesting to me. Hopefully they're interesting to you. I know they're the Bible, so I know they're God's Word and they're inspired. In Acts chapter 6, listen to this just to show you again. Verse 11. Uh, he says, then they secretly induced men to say. 
oh, now we're going to lie about people. We're going to go behind the scenes. We're going, well, you do this and I'll do this. You scratch your back. So we need you to be on our side. We need to know what you're going to say before we go in there. Verse 12 said, And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came up to him and dragged him away and brought him. See, they were up to no good, but they always, so it says, watch out. You know, I'm, I'm good if we invite someone to our house or someone invites her, we go out and eat and stuff, we just get together and have fun. But whenever they see something, when we get in this situation and they try, they did this more when I was young. I guess people figured out who I was. They know I'm probably not the easy shot. But so, but, but they do those things and I think, you know, that just doesn't, what they did today didn't seem very honest. And if it does, you know, have you ever heard this? If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is not true. And it's just like, what? You know, so sometimes I feel like in those situations, well, brother and sister so-and-so had us over at a house yesterday, and they introduced this thought, so I want to introduce it to all of you, and you watch them like they're wanting to crawl under a pew. And then to, to get people on their side, they'll use this. Well, I told them that in confidence. You told me it was in confidence? Now, I tell people, because people talk to me in confidence a lot, and I keep everything in confidence I can possibly keep in confidence. But I tell people there's some things I can't keep. If it puts other people at risk, I can't keep it in confidence. Especially if it puts young people or kids at risk, you, you just will know I'm not keeping anything you say in confidence in that situation because I believe it would be wrong biblically to do so. But there's some things, yeah. Well, you know, I know a lot of things about a lot of people that people in this room have shared with, and I tell no one those things. Because it's they told me, and I told God, prayed to God, and that's where that is, and that's where it is, and, you, and that's what we have to do. But that doesn't put other people at risk. But sometimes people want to secretly introduce things. My mom used to scold my little sisters a lot whenever they whispered. My mom said this, no good ever came out of whispering. If you can't say it, you know, people understand. Talk to you, man. If you can't say it loud enough and you care what people say, then don't be saying it. Well, I don't want them to hear what I said. Well, then don't be saying it. My mom was hard nosed about that. I don't know. With my, I didn't have a little brother to whisper to, and my older brothers didn't want to hear a word I said when I was a kid. So, so anyway, I know. And my sisters, they weren't telling me nothing. But anyway, but they, she would get on them about that. And, uh, you know, I think about that. But I, I do have to at least mention that there in that beginning part of those. And so you even think about when we talk about uh, Janus and Jambres, they were not letting people know really what they were doing. They were faking them out. You know, I've watched people, you know, and pull a quarter out of your ear and here they, and then they go pull a quarter. They didn't pull no quarter out of it. They're tricking you. They're tricking you. Well, some people are tricking people with God's word. They're tricking them, and they're going to answer for that. But you look, he says, they're always learning. They've taken in all this information, and Kendall's paraphrase, but they don't know a stinking thing. They're never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, that doesn't mean that studying truth is unimportant. I'm going to quote this passage because I like it best in King James. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourselves approved unto God. Well, I know the New American Standard says give diligence. You should give diligence in your study of God's Word. 
But study to show yourselves approved unto God. A workman needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But can you know the Bible from front to back and still go to hell? Knowing it's only part of the equation. It's an essential part of the equation, but it's only part of the equation. So we have to study. We definitely have to do that. And yeah, I even think about back in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, when Paul's telling Timothy things he's doing, he says, and give attention to the public reading of Scripture. And you know, it's kind of funny things you do through your time of preaching. Uh, I used to quote a lot more verses when I first started preaching. And I can still quote those verses, but anymore, a lot of times I slow down and want to read it. I want to read it, you know, we kind of cheat and you can read it up here right along with me. But you can all, because there's something special about the public reading of Scripture. And so sometimes it does well just to slow down, let people see you looking at it and you reading it. And I have no problem with quoting Scripture, but I do worry sometimes people quote Scripture to impress people with their memory skills. So do we need to get in a challenge to see who quote the most first? What, what are you trying to prove then? Now, I, you guys know I believe memorizing Scripture is important because sometimes you get in situations where you don't. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe if all this blows up into a worldwide thing and uh, someone decides to get smart and understand the way to defeat America is to get rid of the electric grid, that means no cell phones. We'll see how good you, then you're going to have to go back to the good old paperback paper. But, you know, you look at that, it's just, it, we're so used to it. And so we give attention to the public reading of Scripture. And then even in Acts 17 and verse 11, what was special about the Bereans? They were more noble, it says. I don't say it, the Bible says it. Because they searched the Scripture annually. Daily. They searched the scripture daily. Annually wasn't enough. It wasn't enough on Christmas and Easter. Okay. It wasn't enough just on Sundays and Wednesdays. They searched the scripture. I'm figuring it's pretty important to you if you go and look at it every day, isn't it? Search the scriptures daily. But I want to show you something. So we've got the truth in the Bible, but that doesn't mean Everyone understands it. It doesn't mean everybody comes to knowledge of truth. I've been preaching a long time, not today, but I've been preaching a long time in my life. And sometimes I've covered passages and certain subjects over and over and over through the years with the same people in a pew. And I'm wondering, obviously no one's getting this. How? I, sometimes I think, I don't know if I can say it any plainer than I've said it. Because some people can hear it and hear it and hear it and never accept it. That's what I mean. I'm telling you what it says. It's not up to you. don't have to accept it, but you don't have to go to heaven either. So we've got to understand what it is. So they're always learning. I like to learn things, but I don't like to... I know a lot of trivial nonsense of trivial things. Uh, I don't know, every once in a while I tell people one of them or something. And that's just kind of a waste of memory. But I want to learn things that are usable. You know, I really haven't spent much time trying to hoard up, it's probably worth some money now, uh, Confederate money. 
it's something as a collector's items now, but you can't just go spend that stuff at the grocery store. The grocer is smart, he'd let you spend it at his store. <laughs> no, you look at that. We got to learn usable things, don't we? Usable things. And we have to understand some things become dated as it goes on. Tammy and I was just talking, I don't remember where we were at or what we were doing. We are talking something about a telephone. And, uh, you know, we, we still, those of us who are older, we still talk about, yeah, well, let's dial that number. You haven't dialed a number in I don't know how long. But we still use that term. But I'm telling you, there's a whole lot of people live in this country and on this planet, never seen a dial telephone ever, and definitely never seen a phone booth and never put in a quarter to make a phone call. You know, all those things. That's all. So there's no reason to study and learn. That's, that's like talking about some shows from days gone by. I can't even remember someone mentioned someone the other day and says, people don't even know who you're talking to. Oh, Roy Rogers. Someone brought up Roy Rogers. Well, most people don't even. Now, we've got enough people in this room. So if I ask some of these young people, do you know who Roy Rogers is? They, so they're not going to know this horse's name for sure. But, you know, you look at that. Some of us, see, we all have watched some of you word that name in your mouth. That means you're old, okay? So, no, you look at that. We just don't. So, you, we've got to think things that need study. But I'm telling you what, so you can't always get caught wasting your time on all junk that's of no use. So, we've got to study. But just because you study it doesn't mean you grasp it. So, let me show you. i got to get on with this. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1.18, look at this. For the word of the cross, the word of the, that's the New Testament, right? The word of the cross. Now I'm going to show you what, it's not the same to everybody. The word of cross is foolishness. What? That's fighting words to me. The word of the cross is the foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. Same message. You can teach the same message, doesn't know everybody grasps it, doesn't know everyone comes to the knowledge of truth, doesn't mean everyone accepts it. They're always learning, but they never come to the knowledge of truth. That, passage, that one passage alone substantiates that. But there's a whole lot more, and here's what happens. You know, many times people aren't really interested in the truth. Did you know that? They're interested in having things their way. They're not interested in truth. They're interested in having things. They're not, I use it this way. They're not interested in what's right. They're interested in who's right, and they want to be right. So turn with me to a passage. We probably know. I don't have time to cover it all. But um, 2 Timothy chapter 4. In verse 2, of course, he says, Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season. But look what he goes on and says, even about preaching the word. For verse 3, 2 Timothy 4, 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And wanting to have their ears tickled, preacher, just tell me what I want to hear. Just give me nice flowery things. Just tell me some funny stories. They will accumulate to themselves teachers according to their own, not God's desire, according to their own desires. So I'm going to, you ever heard people say, well, we're just church shopping. You know what that means? That doesn't mean you're looking for the truth. That doesn't mean you're looking for the church that Jesus paid for, that Jesus died for, and Jesus established his head of. It means you're looking for what you want, not what he wants. 
And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Yeah, it's kind of like they just, you start telling them the truth and they just plug their ears. They don't want to hear it. I've even had people, I don't want to hear it. Well, then you better walk away because I'm going to say it. You know, you look at that. So here it is. They're always learning, but never, they know it. They know better, they, but they never come to the knowledge of truth. I'm not going to turn back to this one. You guys are going to know it. Uh, Isaiah 5 and verse 20, they call evil good and good evil. Do we live in a world like that? Sometimes does it seem like, Dennis mentions it with our country, and that does get kind of hard to swallow sometimes, but even bothers me more. In my life, I see that happen in the Church of Christ more and more all the time. I don't care how many people agree on it. Evil is evil, no matter how many people say it's good. If God said it's bad, it's bad. And if God said it's good, it's good. And whether you agree with it or not does not prove the validity of how God views it. It proves either how smart you are to accept what he says or how ignorant you are to stand on your own understanding. Always learn it, but never come to the knowledge of truth. Look at a few more on this, maybe a little different slant, but turn with me back to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy 4. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to go to a, a passage in Romans uh, 14, then we're going to go back over where we started. 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. But the Spirit explicitly says, explicitly. That means, I know what explicitly means. It means this is going to be plainly said with nothing held out explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith. Are there people falling away from the faith today? Paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by the means of hypocrisies, by the, excuse me, by the means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. They're closed to the truth. It's seared. It's not open-minded anymore. They've already made their conclusion. They're not willing to study it over and over again. You know, we have to watch that. You know, I, I've been a Christian a long time, and there's things, you know, I'm just pretty certain about and studied over and over again. But, you know, there are still things, you know what? Maybe our line of thinking and where we were going, maybe that boat won't, maybe that, don't, that argument don't hold water. Maybe I thought it held water. But that don't mean it. Maybe that wasn't what the scriptures. We've always got to be, oh, what's the book say? Not what did my mama tell me. Not what did the congregation I grew up in always teach on. I've seen that on, on several things in my life. Well, I always heard that. I always heard that. But what's the Bible say? And we've always got to get back to what the Bible says. And so I think about passages like uh, Romans chapter 14 and verse 23. And he tells us, I'll, I'll slow down and turn to it instead of just quoting part of it real quick. Romans 14, I love this chapter. I remember speaking on this chapter once at a lectureship, and I don't have time to cover it, but I remember the title of, I had to cover this whole chapter in one lesson. I said, how fast do you think I talk? I don't talk so fast. You, want to, you know, I tell, what do you talk? So you got to kind of just pick the gist of it all. But here's the main point in Romans 14. And here's our problem. We just don't have enough Jesus a lot of times. And you look and see if that isn't the theme of Romans 14. But 
Jump down to verse 22 and 23. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. You need to be convicted on your own faith. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. You better make sure what you approve is in And then he goes on and says, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats. We're talking about what we're eating and if you're not convicted. It, here's what I tell people. If you're not certain the Bible... That's what he's saying here. If you're not sure, you should then don't eat. He says because he is eat because his eating is not from faith. And then this substantial statement: whatever is not from faith is sin. Where's faith come from? Four chapters earlier, didn't he tell us? So then faith. Whatever you do, your convictions. On this is what the book. Well, I think I didn't. I want to. Needs to be what he says. Let's go back to this. Burning, but they never get in a hold of it. There's they don't want to get a hold. You can this way, not to be judgmental, but. mean you're going to have to make some judgments yeah some righteous judgments but I think about passages like when you look back to this one in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and he says in this uh, passage I grew up is give them enough rope and they'll finally hang them they'll hang them. we think we got to take it I like now I like the guy who said you know the Bible is like a lion it doesn't need defending you turn it loose and it'll defend itself tell me if that isn't true just give them the book it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It can separate between bone and marrow, between soul and the spirit. Just give them the book. The book is so good, it defends, just that's what it says. And so you think about that. He says it's, their teaching will finally become obvious to most everybody. And I think about that like in uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 does he tell us the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious? Now, sometimes you don't see that right. You give it a little time, you'll figure it out. You give them time, and people finally show who they are. They don't show it right off the start. First, impressions are not always. He would have. And would she have. Get
that's sucking you in first. He's a deceiver. And those who follow him are deceivers. And Jesus did say in Matthew, I like this passage real well. So turn over the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Then I got to hit two other. Matthew 7. Look down at verse uh, 15. Listen to this. them not by their costume you will know them by their fruits and then he says this grapes are not gathered on thorn grapes don't grow on thorn bushes they grow on grapevines nor do figs from thistles no they don't so every tree bears good fruit Every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce, excuse me, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor, it doesn't mean bad people don't do some good things, but in the don't do bad and good people are good. That's who they are. It doesn't, you know, I've used this Broke the law, speeding. I sped. Now I didn't say that, but there's understand. He's saying, give them time; they'll show who they are. And he says. them by their fruits. There are fruit inspectors, right? Do you know that I've never seen an oak tree grow apples? If there's apples growing on the tree, I know what kind of tree it is. Apples growing on the tree. By our faithful, people
for you. Isn't that amazing? You got to do, there are so many. I understand why people today would. Another church teacher. say this is a standard so you few verses later there in Matthew chapter 7 is where he says only a few are going the straight and narrow because only standard you're here Not somebody. 